This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello, and welcome to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Torella. And I'm your better, prettier, younger host, Tori. We're sisters who are obsessed with true crime and love gal palin with you about cases. You can expect the occasional curse word, lots of friends quotes, and all the 90s nostalgia. To get in on the conversation, check us out at killerqueenspodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Killer Queens Podcast. And we're on YouTube at Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge and let's talk about some true crime. All right, welcome back to Killer Queens. It's love and the marriage, love and the marriage. Thought you're getting out of it again. Damn you. Yeah, because I finally got it out of my head today. And now we're back. Yep. We're just right back to where we started. Okay. When Frank calls, you come running, okay? Sinatra. Oh, yeah. I was like, who's Frank? Frank's not in. Married with children. Married with children. I forgot the name of it. Oh, my God. I'm going to go to bed and start over. Yeah, I'm an embarrassment. All right. All right. So we are on part two of our two-parter on Paul, love, and marriage. Goes together like a horse and carriage. Exactly. Um, Before we get to today's case, as per usual, we are going to tell you about the Patreon. We have to. If you're listening to this because you are a patron, hey, girl, thanks. And if you're not a patron yet, if you join right now, there are, I think, over... Well, I know. We're on episode 86 of Murder Mixtape. And we're on our like fourth or fifth docu-series for Doc Jams. And a lot of them are like six episodes, four or five, six episodes. Yeah. So you're looking at over 100 bonus episodes just right there. Plus, we also, for a while, before we started Doc Jams and the Murder Mixtape, we would do a bonus episode a month for the Patreon. So those are there too. And there's, I don't even know how many of those. So you're looking at like thousands and thousands and millions of podcasts. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any way around that math. No. Yeah. I just did the math for you. Exactly. You're welcome. Yeah. Billions of episodes. She didn't even need a calculator for that. That's how good she is at math. I know. Yeah. And they're all ad-free, dudes. Yeah. Every single one. I feel like we need to start posing the Patreon thing like, everything must go. One number <laughs> liquidation, blah, 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 blah. What's stopping us? I guess nothing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. It all must go. The sale ends tonight. Yes. Only six more hours. <laughs> Okay, that's it. Yeah, so just join it if you want to. Yeah. Yeah, no pressure. Yeah, we love you guys. Okay. All right, so where we left off in the last episode was that Paul leaves the Sittens home where he has murdered four people. Three or four. 
Michaela. Michaela Raymond, the sister, what was her name? Carla and Lisa. And Lisa. Yeah. So four. Okay. Yeah. So he's left the sentence home where he's now murdered four people. Lisa's husband, though, what is in a coma. And he's gone. He's on the run. We do not know where did he go. Mm Mm-mm. On November 28th, a warrant was issued for his arrest. A manhunt had begun immediately after he disappeared. And on December 3rd, Palm Beach County State Attorney Michael McAuliffe decided it was time to call in the FBI. It was assumed that Paul Michael Marriage had most likely fled the state. Why would he stay? I don't see any reason to stay. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, obviously, he's not going to have the support of his family. Clearly. Why didn't he just leave before he did all of this, though? You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. On December 4th, security camera footage was found from the day before he shot his family. In the footage, Paul is at a gun shop in South Florida. He's chatting with a clerk, probably about the scope he wanted attached to the rifle he was purchasing. U.S. Deputy Marshal Barry Golden was certain that Paul didn't go far. He had been on the lam for about five weeks and could have gone literally anywhere, but Golden said, because of the way he is, we didn't think that he would travel far. He's been spoon-fed by his parents for his whole life. Is he one of those, like on that Friends episode, where it's like, well, I don't know how we're going to get to the park. I can't cross the street without my parents holding my hand or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh, and that's the Thanksgiving one. I cannot wait to watch that one. I know, but we're talking about a Thanksgiving episode. Yeah. It's just... Oh my God, totally. Blowing my mind here. Wow. Spooky. Spooky. Paul had taken the $12,000 from his parents' bank account, so he had money, but that would only last so long. He'd never held down a job, so it's not like he could make more money easily. Paul had also either killed his family or had become so estranged to them that it wasn't likely that any of them would help him hide. Not to mention that cops everywhere were looking for him. Did he shoot his parents? Parents were there. I don't remember them saying that they were even shot. It's kind of unclear to me if the only people that were actually shot were the ones that were discussed or if everybody was shot, but they were the the fatalities and then the biggest because they had to yeah. put the brother-in-law in a medically induced coma. Like, right. I don't know. Yeah. It's just because he's, is his anger with the sisters because they're successful? Like, it seemed like he was upset with his parents too based on the fact that he'd pulled the gun on them earlier in his life. Well, and that he had held so much resentment for his sisters. I'm sure he blamed them. Uh-huh. Yeah. A big part of that. So it's just, I don't know. It's just strange. Mm-mm, I don't know. I mean, I'm certainly glad that nobody else was killed, that nobody else was seriously hurt. But it almost seems like who he drew the gun on and who he actually pulled the trigger on was at random. Yeah. Yeah. When there, it's not valid, but there would be motive for people that were there who did not get shot to have been shot. Right. Yeah. Just the whole thing doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. The whole hell of a thing doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. And I'm the hell person who's going to try and figure it out. Yes. In January, the case gets some help from America's Most Wanted. Jim Sitton and John Walsh pleaded for information about Paul Marriage. 
A reward of $100,000 for information was offered with Paul's car information, color, make, model, and license plate. And people were warned that he was armed and dangerous. Due to the gruesomeness of the murders and the fact that he bolted after, Paul Marriage was considered one of the nation's most wanted criminals. I wonder if that made him even more happy with what he had done because he wants to be not popular maybe, but well-known or special. Yeah. Yeah, because in a way, is this him achieving some sort of success, quote unquote, because this is like a 15 minutes of fame, everybody's talking about it, and he feels like he's maybe getting away with it. Mm -hmm. He was one of the nation's most wanted criminals. That's pretty big. Yeah. For a small window of time. Right. And if you're in a mindset or like a frame of mind that's a little bit backwards and you're like, wow, this is, look at me. I'm, I'm one of the most wanted criminals. Exactly like Shanghai Noon when Owen Wilson gets all excited and he sees his wanted poster and he's like, yeah, this is amazing, a $20,000 reward. But then the Shanghai kid, um, oh my God, what is his name? Jackie Chan? Jackie Chan. <laughs> the Shanghai kid, Jackie Chan, his reward was like $50,000 and he got really bummed about it because he was like, well, you're a sidekick and you got, your reward's bigger than mine. And he's like, yeah, they didn't even get my nose right. Like, he was really <laughs> upset about it after. But I feel like that this is possibly where Paul Marriage is, where it's like, yippee, people want to know where I am. I'm on TV, you know? Yippee, hooray! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. I'm always right. Little known fact, always right. Ugh, whatever. Ooh. Shortly after this broadcast, the owners of the Edgewater Lodge noticed that the guy they were looking for on America's Most Wanted looked a lot like the guest in room 14 in their motel in the Florida Keys. However, he'd checked in under the name John Baca? I'm going to say Baca, yeah. Okay. And gave them a made-up number when he prepaid for two weeks in cash. I mean, I get why you would take cash at motels, but it just feels like a lot of times this happens. <laughs> like a fugitive is paying with cash. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, in this day and age, it's not the 90s where cash was very prominent. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, if you made them pay with a credit card, then we could at least have a trail. But like, Luca Magnata did that, didn't he? Like he paid cash for his some of his places that he stayed. I don't know. Kevin Spacey in Seven paid for all of his stuff in cash. Yep. I guess what I'm saying is ban cash. That's what I think. Because how else are you going to catch somebody? It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Yeah. It's dangerous. Yeah. Actually, you know what? For everyone's benefit, I will just take all of the cash. Okay. For safekeeping. For safekeeping. That's so nice. Tori, selfless. I am the most selfless person. Holy shit. Wow. You need to get some sort of an award. (laughs) You can be the um, Friends of Good Neighbors Award or whatever. What was it on on Golden Girls when they got the flu? Oh, the... I forget. It was something like that. It was like long. Yes. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. In another attempt to conceal his identity, he had swapped the license plate on his Camry and kept the car covered with a car cover he had purchased before the murders. The owner said that the reclusive guest only left his room to wash his clothes. They called in the tip to the authorities, and on Saturday, January 2nd, 2010, just after 10 p.m., U.S. Marshals evacuated the motel and broke down the door to his room. He had barricaded himself in his room by putting a mattress and a bar against the doors. Wow, that's impenetrable. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, how'd that work out for you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, well, I locked it. I mean, how did they get in here? Exactly. He's like, I hid behind the shower curtain. <laughs> Could anybody find me? Exactly. Paul got up from the laptop and ran into the bathroom. He had quote unquote suicide devices or things that he could use for suicide, a cord tied in a noose, three small helium tanks, a plastic hood and a rubber hose in the closet. He also had canned beans, allergy medicine and pain reliever along with undies and snack packs. People involved with the case would speculate that his stash of things would actually make it seem like he wasn't planning to die by suicide because he was taking care of himself. I don't know. It's not like he had a year's worth of groceries there. I think in some cases, namely with criminals that try to get out of being held responsible for what they've done, Dying by suicide is an exit strategy. It's it's not something, it's not, it's not the common motive, or it's not the, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't know the right way. I don't want to make a generalization here, but I'm just saying, like, there are many different reasons why you would want to die by suicide or why you would die by suicide. Yeah, like I wonder if he had known that the cops were coming when they were, would he have gone ahead and done something, you yeah. know, but they surprised him. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, the jig is up. Mm-hmm. So then you gotta, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like the, you know, operatives or whatever, when they have their like cyanide pill or whatever. Absolutely. It's just, uh, yeah, but Leonard Lake and Charles Ng. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Or we're doing the double, you know, right now mm-hmm. when you don't want to face the music. Sometimes. I was thinking about old Zazu. I know. (laughs) You're ridiculous. (laughs) Okay. (sighs) However, prior to his arrest, Paul had gone to Border Books, Borders Books, and bought Final Exit, The Practicalities, which is basically like a how-to book on suicide. Did I not just say exit strategy? Did I not just say that? And it's called Final Exit? You really did. Tell me I didn't just say that. Are you a psychic? I told you I was always right. 
I know. Wow. I'm getting scared. <laughs> chills, man. Got the chills. You might have the flu. Uh-oh. Now you have the flu. <gasps> Along with this assortment of things, Paul also had two handguns in his room, a Kmart receipt for a mask, duct tape, paddle leash, and tie-downs, and five cell phones. Five. Five. You don't even need that many if you're playing house by yourself. No. Why would you need five cell phones? That's ridiculous. That's a, that's a lot. Yeah. It's excessive. Yeah. He was talking on them when he was on the run, and How this- do you have that many- Hands. That's the real question I think we need to get down to. Is he an octopus? That's what I'm saying. See, then like he needs three more phones, though. That's true. No, so he doesn't even have enough. Spider from James and the Giant Peach. Ugh. That's a good spider. But gross. It is gross. But no. gross, yeah. But... This made police think that maybe he had accomplices who were hiding him, but the numbers belonged to people that didn't know Paul. Did he steal all these phones? The number given to the motel owners belonged to a man named Wade Lacone. Another number on one of the phones belonged to a guy named Michael, who was shocked to find out that his number was involved because he'd had it for 12 years and did not know Paul Marriage. Paul had also been receiving calls from a 305 area code, which is Miami. It actually is used for all of Miami-Dade County and part of Monroe County, including the Florida Keys. Paul had been following everything about his manhunt on the internet. He had also shaved his head, possibly in an attempt to disguise himself. Okay, following his own manhunt, Luca McNaughta. Mm-hmm, or so many people, I well, guess. yeah, but it's very reminiscent. But yeah. <laughs> but also, like... For somebody who literally has like no friends, who's he talking to? Exactly. That's very true. Like, he was well liked, but not popular. It's like when your little cousin gets a cell phone for the first time and then they just want to text you a whole bunch and you're like, hey, first off, why do you have a cell phone? You're eight. <laughs> who you who you calling? Who you calling? Second of all, I have shit to do. I have a job. Okay. Yeah. Quit texting me all the time. Just sending me random emojis. Yeah. It's like, hi. <laughs> hi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wonder who he was uh, calling. When the authorities busted into his motel room with their guns drawn, this guy had the audacity to say, don't shoot me. I can't don't to get- shoot me. He needs to get bent over somebody's knee. He needs to get bent over a barrel and show the 50 states. I would say so. <sighs> Don't shoot me. Are you fucking kidding me? You mean like all those people that you shot? Yeah. What do you think they were thinking? Please don't shoot me. I bet they said it out loud. Mm -hmm. These were your family members. You didn't give a fuck. That probably didn't trust you. I'm sure they loved you. Uh-huh. Sure didn't see this coming. Right. What a piece of shit. I cannot believe that. He had to be tased three times before he would cooperate with the police and allow himself to be apprehended. Paul was taken to the Palm Beach County Jail. Upon his arrest, Paul seemed to be confused about the things he'd done. In the interrogation, Paul rambled without ever directly confessing or even talking about the specific event. America's Most Wanted was there when he was arrested and Paul told the cameras, 18 years, I've been tormented. I've had chronic medical problems, mental problems. It's been a nightmare. 
I didn't even know what I was doing. It was the only thing I could do. I went several times to turn myself in. I was waiting for my parents to maybe make a statement and tell me to turn myself in. I didn't know what to do. And today, right now, watching on TV, my cousin, I didn't know. I've been wanting. I didn't know what to do. I just can't believe I've done all of this. I just can't believe it. So is he saying that he wanted to go turn himself in multiple times, but because neither of his parents were on TV or the news and didn't ask him, hey, Paul, maybe you should go turn yourself in. I think that'd be the right thing to do. He was like, well, I didn't feel like I had to yet. Is that what he's saying? Well, Tori, you're not being very fair here. How is he supposed to know that he should turn himself in? If his parents don't tell him to do it. That's true. He's only in his 30s. Hmm. I wonder if he'd brushed his teeth this whole time. Nobody told him to do that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that he's... Yeah, I don't know that he's brushing his teeth. I don't know that he put his shoes on that. Like, I don't know what he... Is he wearing a jacket? Is he cold? Probably. Yeah, because his mom didn't put it on for him. That's just so... Such a fucking cop out. I know. And then like... And look, again, you know... He he does have some mental illness going on, but we've got footage of him buying all this stuff, buying the car cover before he went to Thanksgiving. We well, bought the scope before he went to Thanksgiving too. Mm-hmm. He took out $12,000, which would say that he knew he was going to go on the run. The car cover says he knew he was going to go on the run. That's what we in the biz call premeditation. Uh-huh. Don't tell me you you didn't know what you were doing. You had to be lucid enough at some point to make all of these calls to figure this shit out and to go through with it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I mean, we covered Bruce Blackman fairly recently. He, He was very clearly mentally ill and he did not go on the run. I mean, he was there when the police showed up and he was, I mean, it was like, what, five in the morning, but he's, you know, chasing people around outside and you know, typically when you are, when you're so mentally ill that you do not know right from wrong when an act is taking place, you are not trying to cover it up because exactly. you don't think that you're doing anything wrong. Andrea Yates. Andrea Yates. Um, and I don't know the name of the guy, but there's a guy who decapitated somebody on a public bus. The cops were surrounding the bus. This was in Canada, I believe. And he is go into town on this guy and they're watching it and he doesn't stop when the police get there he doesn't run away he for whatever reason believed that he had to do this or something this person was i don't remember what his but he had just a psychotic break and he was not in reality but the police were there watching him this is somebody who did not comprehend what they were doing mm-hmm. paul marriage exhibited signs of mental competence, I think. Well, and the fact that he had pulled guns on his family members before that out of blind rage. Right. That's different. Yeah. different. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Paul told the officers, it's impossible, you know, to reconcile what happened with me. It's just, it's not even real. I'm not violent. I've never been violent. That's a lie. I'm not a criminal or a drug addict. It's just unbelievable what I've done to everybody. Okay, I'm willing to accept the fact that he's probably not a drug addict. That's fine with me. Mm -hmm. The rest of it is just a bold-faced lie. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, you've pulled a gun on your family from the age of 13. Yes, that's significant, I would say. And then since then, you've been threatening to kill your sisters. Like, what, weekly, monthly? Like, I don't know. It just seems like a lot. Mm -hmm. You were violent enough that your mom and sister were like, hope he doesn't show up and kill us all. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if we're talking about a completely nonviolent person, like, it's never crossed my mind that I might go somewhere that you are. And I'm putting myself in danger because you're not a violent person. I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure that you're going to be a bitch, you know? <laughs> That's a given. <laughs> but not violent, not no. a violent bitch. I you know? like more emotional attacks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, but I just, I don't fear for my physical safety. But they did. And there's a reason for that. And unfortunately, they were right about that. God, how many times do we talk about that in cases? I know, listen to your gut, like, and it sucks that, and most people, you know, most of the time, if you have a thought like that, it is probably overly dramatic. Like, you know, you don't want to make a big deal out of nothing and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And this time it turned out to be accurate and it's just so sad because, well, his argument collapsed on itself. I'm not a violent person. Well, everybody that knew you were going to be there on Thanksgiving was scared for their safety. Mm-hmm. And the whole reason that nobody else in the family invited him was for that reason, because he's violent. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Then he asked the officer if this was going to be a long ordeal. What are we talking, a year, two? And then what, worst, worst case scenario? 
What you got to do better, Paul? Yeah, what else you got going on? You're sitting at home playing video games? Exactly. <laughs> Jesus. I have a... Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. He would later say to his dad over the phone, hopefully after the case, hopefully I get sent to a hospital. See, and there we go again. Because, again... People with mental illness, I don't think their mind even goes to like, okay, well, I hope I get sent to a psychiatric hospital. That's Mar... Uh, oh Marjorie God. Deal Armstrong. Yeah, yes. that's exactly what I was thinking. She's trying to get... Was trying to get her better deal because she knew that the food was better there and all this stuff. It's going to be... It's going to go easier on her because she'll be there. Yeah, if you're planning... You're playing a chess game. You're moving your pieces. I don't yeah. know what they're called. I think pieces. You're moving your dudes, your chess dudes, <laughs> to where you want them to go so that you can have a better outcome. Yeah, that's not that's not somebody who's incompetent to stand trial. No, to be that calculated, I don't think that that's possible. Right. Those two are not mutually inclusive. We're going to make up our own way to say it. Is that a thing? I don't know. They're, those two are mutually exclusive. They don't go together. You can't be calculated and mentally ill. I don't think. Yeah. I don't not think in that so way. No. Yeah. Not trying to secure your spot in a mental institution. Right. I don't think that they go together. No, they don't. The owners of the Edgewater Motel were awarded the $100,000 for their tip that led to Paul's arrest. Man, good for them. I thought they said something. I'm glad they were aware. Mm-hmm. Paul's arraignment was scheduled for February 2nd, 2010, where he pleaded not guilty. Paul was charged with four counts of first-degree murder for Carla, Lisa, Raymond, and Michaela, and three counts of attempted first-degree murder for Clifford, Antoine, and Patrick. Prosecutors plan to seek the death penalty. If successful, Paul Marriage would be the first defendant to get the death penalty in Palm Beach County State Court in more than 20 years. Then Paul was scheduled to go to trial August 8th, 2011, and Jim Sitton was determined to get Paul the death penalty. Jim was quoted as saying, if there's anyone who deserves the death penalty, it is someone who would execute my six-year-old daughter while she's in bed. That, that breaks my heart. Like, can you imagine having to say that sentence? Like, no. ugh, about your own child. Oh my God. And I, you know, whether or not you you agree with the death penalty, whatever, like, I just can't imagine what he's going through. Mm -mm. You know, I can understand why somebody would say, I want to see you go. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, or something like that. I mean, my gosh. You're six-year-old. Oh, it's so sad. State attorney Michael McAuliffe was the prosecutor on the case. And while Paul's parents had supported him financially for his entire life, this was apparently the cutoff point and they were not going to hire him an attorney. Well, thank God for that. I mean, my gosh, parents are messed up. Looking at you. <laughs> You're messed up. Wow. You done messed up. But I think it's not, I, honestly, it would not shock me if they were like, we're going to stand by him. I know. We love him. You know. Yeah. Because that love doesn't go away, I don't think. No. And that's got to be a hard decision. But, you know, also, there's a lot of damage that's been done. I know. Hell of a time to put your foot down and be like, you need to grow up and do this yourself. But, you know. Paul didn't have money of his own, so he was to be represented by a public defender, Carrie Hallout. Paul's defense team thought about trying to argue for insanity. 
However, that was going to be very difficult since he planned the murders meticulously and then absconded. Uh, we already done said that, girl. Mm-hmm. However, insanity as a defense is tricky. It has been described as, quote unquote, a double-edged sword that can often prove to the jury that the defendant is dangerous and could make them more likely to vote for the death penalty. In Florida, a majority of the jury has to vote for the death penalty and the judge makes the final call. The defense plan to call experts on schizophrenia and OCD. Although, like, we know he was diagnosed with OCD. He's, as far as we know, he's never been diagnosed with schizophrenia. Yeah, this is a brand new diagnosis. Yeah, so you can just say that in court if you want. I mean, I'm sure that their expert is going to say that he exhibited signs of schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's paid to do so. Well, I don't know. Public defender, do they? I wonder how they got an expert because usually they, they don't have the money for it. I have no idea. But anyway, yeah, there's no, there's no record and he's been in psychiatric care, you know, for a while. So it seems like that wouldn't be allowed or I don't know. Anyway. Veteran criminal profilers mentioned that Paul's behavior was more like that of a sociopath than someone who was insane. They said that he knew what he did was wrong, but he didn't care. Former FBI criminal profiler Greg McCrary said his escape indicates he appreciated the wrongfulness of what he was doing. He did it and then fled. Another profiler believes that during Paul's time in hiding, he began to feel remorse. When they sit down in the darkest room at the darkest point of night and look into their soul, it's really hard to justify killing a child. When you kill significant others in your life, it's an act you eventually have to admit to yourself is so horrific that soon you have to hold yourself accountable. But wait, is the only reason that he thinks that he started to feel remorse is because sometimes people do? Uh, that's the only reason that I can see. <laughs> yeah. Where like, he has gotten did he say from. something? Did he? Yeah. He I didn't turn himself in. I mean, he thought about it, but nobody, his mom didn't make him. If we keep going though, there is a part where he calls his dad. And talks about forgiveness. Yeah, but that's in jail. That's not Wall. Right, of course. Yeah, he's yeah. on the run. No, but. I don't think that... I mean, I don't believe that he has shown remorse. It's more of the kind of like, oh, shit, I got caught. Not I'm sorry for what I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what we're seeing here, so... Yeah, that's what I feel like. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. During the investigation and lead up to the trial, it was made clear that Paul had been holding a grudge against his family and brooding in his hatred for more than a decade. It was also shown that three months before the murders, Paul had been treated by a doctor in Detroit, but sources don't say why he was treated. His uncle, Dr. Antoine Joseph, had treated him for a little bit as well, but again, we don't know for what or for how long. While in jail, Paul called his dad collect from jail multiple times to beg for forgiveness. Paul, I think about them. I think about heaven, you know? I think about them constantly. I don't know how I could have done what I've done to everybody, everybody I've hurt. I'll be the dad. Okay. We have nothing. You have nothing. It's a total nightmare. Our lives have forever changed. In another call, the two men struggled to have a real conversation. And this is not word for word or the entire call, but here's, you know, a snippet. Totally wounded. Everyone was right about me. I want to be with you both and hold you and love you. I don't know how I could have done it. How is Patrick? We wanted to have a relationship with you, but it was so difficult. It was me. We never stopped loving you. Your mother is devastated. During the call, Paul asked to talk to his mom, but she won't talk to him. He also repeatedly tells his dad that he loves him, but his dad never says it back. I mean, but he did say we never stopped loving you. Yeah. But I mean, still. what is he? Paul is never going to stop being the eight-year-old kid that throws himself on the floor when he doesn't get his way. That's just his look for life. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it is not becoming as a grown-ass man. No, it's not. Then three months before the trial, Paul accepted a plea deal where he would get a conviction of seven consecutive life sentences without the chance for parole or appeals in lieu of the death penalty. Paul told the judge that even though he was taking a number of antipsychotics, he was absolutely lucid enough to take the plea deal and pled guilty. How convenient. Is that something that somebody who suffers from serious mental illness and could be declared legally insane if? needed to stand trial could all of a sudden be like okay wait i'm sensing nope now i'm lucid yeah i can actually make a call here yeah in this one instance i'm good it's just so fucking convenient Mm -hmm. god damn paul i know he sucks the family had to agree to this deal and jim sitton was not happy with it he carried a cutting of michaela's hair with him into the court where he begged the judge and prosecution not to spare Paul's life. He told the judge, we were not prepared to accept this today. This is a last minute deal that's being ramrodded down our throats. That sucks. Mm-hmm. The hair is what got me. The lock of her hair. I know. Bless him. Oh my God. Circuit Judge Joseph Marks gave the family a piece of advice that he carried with him. 
Marx's own wife had been shot and killed when she was pregnant in 1994. My God. He told the family, I make sure that I go out and do my best to live a good life every day. And I try to remember every good thing I did. I believe one day I'll see them again. And I want to remember to be able to tell them this is what I did on this day. The sentence thought that McAuliffe agreed to the plea deal for political reasons. They said that their faith in the justice system was shattered. I mean, they may not be wrong. Like, there is a lot of politics that goes into that. Yep, absolutely. Jim said, I now have more faith in the prisoners and the fellow inmates of Stark, which is the jail, to take justice than I do the state attorney's office because at least in prison, they know what to do with baby killers. This is sad. I don't know what kind of person Jim Sitton was before. This has, and understandably so, but this has definitely hardened his heart so much. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be surprised if he could go back to the way that he was before this. Like, I, I cannot imagine what a situation or a tragedy like this would do to you. Right. But it has changed him. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think what happens a lot of times when when this kind of like hate sets in is it's consuming. Oh, yeah. It just festers and just multiplies. Yeah. So, I yeah, I hope that he is able to find some peace because that's, it's just very sad. Well, and it's the kind of hate, unfortunately, that only holds him in bondage because yeah, Paul marriage, I don't think is sitting anywhere thinking about Jim Sitton the way that Jim Sitton is sitting there thinking about Paul. Right. And, you know, again, certainly not judging how somebody's grieving or anything oh, no, no, like no. that. Oh, no, 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 no. It just... You know, when you see somebody going through something and you, it's like you don't want them to hurt as much anymore. You don't want them to hurt themselves anymore, you know? And it's well, just yeah, like... He's been through so much already. It's like... Yeah. I think that his baby, Michaela, would want him to be happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, it's just so sad. McAuliffe assured the court that the prosecutor's office had been debating the offer for a while and had included law enforcement in their decision-making. He told the court that he believed the plea deal was the appropriate choice, and though he did empathize with the family, cost was also not a factor in their decision. They did consider the significant amount of time that would go into a death penalty case. Clifford Jabara held his Bible and read about Cain and Abel from Genesis. Ooh. That's a heavy. That is heavy. That's pretty accurate, seems like. Muriel Sitton said that the meek man sitting in the court was not the methodical man that gunned down his own family. By this time, 50-year-old Muriel was now five months pregnant with another baby girl. She said, this killer you see in the courtroom today is not the man that was in our home that night. He was a cold-blooded killer without remorse, without mercy who just gunned down our family members and would have killed more of us had we not escaped out of the house. Patrick had been in a coma until March of 2010, and at the court date for the plea deal, he accepted the deal because he wanted to quote-unquote pick up the pieces, and he didn't want to have to deal with the appeals process for the next two decades. I mean, that's another thing with death penalty cases and and yeah, going to trial and all that kind of stuff. It's like, they're definitely going to appeal. And you have to, unfortunately for the family, you have to relive and relive and relive every single time it goes to court. And yeah, just once that, when that wound starts to heal, then you rip the 
scab right off of it again. Yeah. And there is that, you know, chance that is there some kind of a technicality that the defense can bring up and get a new trial or get a conviction overturned or, you know, something like that. So it's like, at least with a plea deal, it's a done deal. And he's never getting out of prison. And again, not wrong for them, any of them to feel the way they feel. It just, it seems like no matter which way you go, the victims and their families kind of get the shaft. You Always, know? yeah. Because no matter what, with a plea deal, a lot of times criminals value their lives so much, their own lives so much, that they will do whatever it takes to not get the death penalty. Mm-hmm. And they're always going to take a deal that's going to benefit them, obviously, in some way. So it's like, we both said it before, plea deals only benefit the criminal. That's all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Jim Sitton's pleas became passionate. And while he was urging the judge to postpone this decision, he dropped to his knees. He wanted to, quote unquote, prepare a proper presentation. Jim also said, this plea decision is far too important to rush through without any time for us, for all of us to think. We've been waiting patiently for almost two years for this case to come to trial. Justice is what's at stake here. Judge Marks demanded that he stop. On October 11th, 2011, Paul Michael Marriage pleaded guilty to the four counts of first-degree murder and the three counts of attempted first-degree murder and received seven consecutive life sentences. In doing this, he avoided both the trial and the death penalty. After the plea deal and Paul's conviction, the Sittens filed a civil suit against Paul's parents, Michael and Carol. You guys, this shit is wild. All this that happens here. He claimed that they had been negligent because they knew their son was planning to attend the dinner despite not being invited and they did not tell the Sittens he was coming. He said that they had a bad feeling about Paul's attendance and even thought he would kill. The Sittens were alleging that the marriages had the opportunity to stop their son, but they didn't. Patrick Knight filed a similar lawsuit regarding the death of his wife, Lisa, and their unborn child. I mean, that's another thing that gets lost here. Like, Lisa was pregnant. Mm -hmm. That's that's so much loss for Patrick. I mean, this is his wife, and that was their first child, would have been their first child. Mm -hmm. Oh, so sad. It is so sad. Both suits were rejected by the judge. All right, so the Sittens and Patrick Knight filed the civil suit against the marriages saying that they knew that he was dangerous and they let him come anyway and they didn't bother to tell anybody that he was coming. And it, I mean, by all accounts, everybody else was under the impression that he was not invited, therefore he was not coming. Absolutely. Right? And and we do have those text messages between the daughter and the mom saying, hey, I'm kind of worried that Paul's going to kill us all. Yeah, exactly. So the judge did throw those out, but then the marriages filed a lawsuit back. So in their papers filed in Palm Beach County Circuit Court, Michael and Carol Marriage blamed the dinner host, Jim and Muriel Sitton, and Muriel's father, Dr. Antoine Joseph, for their son's deadly rampage. Had the Sittens stopped Paul Marriage from entering their home, he wouldn't have been able to open fire on the guests, they claim. Are you kidding me? Why? Look, it might, I get that it would upset you if somebody filed a civil suit against you and been like, 
you shouldn't have let your son come when you, you should knew, have stopped this. Yeah, whatever. Especially if you feel like they can't control his actions, whatever. But to turn around and then file a suit against these people who Dr. Antoine Joseph lost his wife, the Sittens lost their daughter, six-year-old daughter, and you're going to say it's it's your fault because you let him in? Yeah, it says the three, not them, are responsible for the deadly attack that claimed the lives of their twin 33-year-old daughters, the sitting six-year-old daughter, and Joseph's 76-year-old wife, who was also Muriel's mother. They also accused Jim Sitton of defamation for repeatedly claiming that they invited Paul Marriage to the gathering without alerting other family members knowing of his propensity for violence. Oh, man. Their attorney, the marriage's attorney, said that they never would have sued the Sittens or Joseph if they hadn't filed suit against them first. That is so petty and immature. Yeah, that does not make it right. Like, well, you started it. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And the attorney goes on to say that everyone in the family that got together regularly to celebrate holidays was well aware of Paul Marriage's mental demons. Dr. Joseph even treated him, Rawson said. So that's the thing. It's like we never know specifically what Dr. Joseph treated him for, but they make it sound like like you took your life into your own hands having Thanksgiving dinner. Well, yeah, but they but they also make it sound like he treated him for like mental illness of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's the thing. They didn't invite him. They didn't want him there. And as far as I know, nobody really wanted him there. No, but they somebody had to have given him directions and all that. Or told they, him what time it was. Exactly. And they he'd never met Michaela. I don't think he's been to the Sittens. So somebody had to let him know where it was. Attorney Julie Litke Rubin, who represents the Sittens and Dr. Joseph, said her clients are quote unquote outraged and devastated by the allegations. And I'll link to this article. I'm reading from an article on Palm Beach Post. It's called Marriages Parents Fire Back at Their Accusers with Their Own Lawsuit. But this just has the information about, you know, kind of the back and forth with the lawsuit. But the uh, attorney Litke Rubin said, The Sittens had not seen the killer for 13 years before he arrived on their doorstep, uninvited by them, but invited by his parents and with the knowledge of his sisters, she wrote in an email. While aware of Paul Marriage's mental ills, they were unaware of the depth of them, she said. Medical records made public as part of his criminal prosecution revealed Paul Marriage had received shock therapy. Do they still do that? I don't know why they would. Oh my God had repeatedly been committed to mental hospitals and that he had talked about dreaming of killing family members, said attorney David Prather, who also represents the Sittens and Dr. Joseph. I can tell you totally and unequivocally, they were unaware of the treatment he received, he said. While the marriages are certainly grieving the loss of their families, sadly, they were the ones with the power to have prevented this unspeakable tragedy, Litke Rubin said. For them to now turn around and blame the Sittens and Dr. Joseph is the ultimate in adding the proverbial insult to injury. I don't know. I mean, I do I do agree that 
they knew more, obviously, than the Sittens and Dr. Joseph did. They were, at least on some level, afraid that violence was going to take place that day. So they did endanger other people knowing that or feeling that. I don't know. At the same time, it's not a crime to invite somebody that's not invited to an event, you know, like, you know, I I don't know. And they can't, well, they didn't give him the gun. They didn't put that idea in his head. They didn't make him do this. Right. None of it's right, but I think that it's so wrong that so many people need closure or need answers or something that they're just, there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of anger and they're like, okay, well, I'm going to turn it on you now Mm -hmm. because I have to make sense of this. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody has to be held responsible. Yeah. Because I know for a fact, I mean, I don't know. The Sittens don't really seem like they are, they feel like Paul is being held responsible. So somebody else has to be held responsible, right? Yeah. And then it becomes this like finger of blame. Yeah. Because had Paul gotten the death penalty, would the Sittens have filed this civil suit? I don't know. Against the parents. It seemed like this all was born from anger and passion and rage. Yeah. I can understand why the Sittens would file that lawsuit. Like, you guys were texting that day, I hope he doesn't show up and kill us all. And you let him walk into my house? Yeah, knowing full well that he wasn't invited. Right. But for the marriages to turn around and be like, well, you guys knew he was mentally ill. I'm going to sue you back. This is your fault. Take the high road, dude. Like, even if you feel like they're giving you a low blow. And the suit ended up being thrown out anyway. Yeah. Like, just don't, just, yeah. That's, that's awful. And they, they lost two daughters too. And a, and a grandchild. So I would think that they would not have let Paul walk in that door if, if they, they really thought that was going to happen. Right. You know? Because I'm sure that they didn't want their daughters to be murdered. Yeah, there's just a lot of petty going back and forth. That's It's heartbreaking because you just see that like these people are hurting and they are responding in ways that are not healthy expressions of the emotion they're feeling. Oh, absolutely. And... Anger is a really easy emotion for people to sit in because it's easier than being sad. Mm -hmm. And it's easier to access. Mm -hmm. What is it the like, my therapist tells me this about, uh, I can't find it, but it's, it's something like, you know, they are, they're experiencing some emotions and it's just, it's coming out in the unhealthy way, Mm -hmm. which is toxic. Yeah, it's just it's just sad to see because you know they're just they're all hurting. Jim and Muriel Sitton still live in the house where the infamous Thanksgiving massacre took place. They told a news outlet that they feel like there are far more good memories in the house than that one night. They said it's where they feel closest to Michaela. Her room is almost unchanged, and the dress she had worn before she changed into her Tinkerbell PJs hangs on the closet door. Their alarm clock is Michaela's voice telling them to wake up. Mm. So sad. They also said that they sometimes still call the answering machine for Muriel's mom to hear her voice as well. 
The sit-in started a foundation in Michaela's name to carry on her love of dance and music, which includes an annual concert. Unfortunately, um, oh, and thank you to Sloan for doing the research. I don't think we said that in the first episode. So sorry, girl. Um, But she said, unfortunately, she couldn't find anything out about Paul today, like if he's alive or dead. But if he's alive, he's in prison and away from the family he destroyed. She couldn't really find any updated information on anyone, but hopefully that means they're all trying to continue on with their lives and do their best to follow the advice of Judge Marks and try to remember at least one good thing that happens every day. Mm. That was tough. That's a saddie. Saddie and not a goodie. Yeah. I mean, you know, we say that every week. They're all sad and they're, you know, different ways and everything, but it's just, it's terrible. Mm -hmm. That one was an especially tough one. And I do think that while there is some mental illness at play here, this is not, again, this is not a Bruce Blackman. This is not an Andrea Yates. So I think that it's a Marjorie Deal Armstrong. Yes. I think that in prison is where he needs to be. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, he was very calculating. Mm-hmm. And I, I do hope that he genuinely feels remorse. I don't, it's just so hard to tell because it always feels like there's a benefit for them. Well, especially when the only remorse that you seem to have felt up until now is sorry that I got caught. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And if he is like those FBI profilers say, if he is a sociopath, then that fits right in with that. You know, they don't feel empathy. Yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't expect the remorse to be genuine. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, but that's the case. Again, we, you know, we hope you guys all had a wonderful Thanksgiving and, and safe and yummy leftovers and things like that. Hopefully we don't scare the bejesus out of you with this one. I know. But, you know, I mean, if there is somebody that you know that's going through some shit, you know, let someone know. Mm -hmm. Call someone, get them help. Like, you know, I don't know. But listen to your gut, I guess is what I'm saying. Yes, you know. I agree. Yeah. But we love you guys and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening and we will meet you back here next week. Bye. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloan Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at KillerQueensPodcast.com for merch and other info about the show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.